So, episode five, take <laughs> sixteen. <laughs> um, it's been a it's been a colourful start to this podcast. Actually, back behind the scenes, we've had some 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 uh, our first ever technical problems, haven't we? Yeah, we've been shooting for an hour, and we've only just started. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the you know this is the first time it's happened so we'll forgive ourselves for not pressing record on um the mics after 43 minutes of really good content actually just to add that the reason for that was because we added a mic for me <laughs> <laughs> and then we got excited about me having a mic yeah. i think you're I'm more excited us. about that than ever before because this is the most you've said ever <laughs> Oh, I mean, look at me. I've got a mic in my hand. <laughs> it's it's like the coffee 2.0. Yeah, anyway, we got excited about um, me having a mic and forgot to press record for 47 minutes. Well, it's, you know, <laughs> so we I'm, go now, through- I'm now going to put this down and let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Stuart, our producer. We love Stuart. Yeah, we love Stuart. <laughs> yeah. So this week, careers. Um, On that note. Firstly, congratulations to Stuart on his business setting up properly. Yeah, it's going to be sick. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. no, that's okay. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. You didn't pick up your mic then. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> really? This thing is sick. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we obviously want to go down the path of school and when you're getting into a career how mm. to pick one what what it is you're supposed to do and what age you think you're supposed to be knowing what to do and all that kind of stuff mm. everybody's got different experiences oh, i've got a weird very weird experience in my life but massive success though right Had <laughs> a huge failure <laughs> but still massive success yeah i've had some good successes i've had some miserable failures too but Nothing to do with ability and trying to do well, just more focusing on the wrong thing mm. or only focusing on one thing. Like I said in last week's episode, if you only focus on getting money, then eventually you'll lose it because mm. you won't know how to appreciate it. You won't know what to do with it and it doesn't fill the hole you were hoping it was. It would fill. But, yeah. But, um, yeah, your career's had a bit of a topsy-turvy. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> the last week, I literally lost everything, you know, and it was a horrible situation because I dearly, dearly loved the company. I dearly loved the people that work there. And actually, you know, a clumsy conversation and a few fucking stupid things and my fucking idea of wanting to be something different um, cost me my job. They took my vehicle, Mm. you know, completely reasonably took it. And, you know, that sort of left me. Do you know when you sort of go, oh, like I've now got none of the things that I initially had from when I left the house this morning, <laughs> my, the whole dynamic, especially when you take a vehicle away, the mm. whole dynamic of your life changes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, um, for sure. But it was, it's, a, it's been a challenging week or so emotionally. Um, I didn't sleep a lot at the weekend. I was feeling really shit about it all, but it's actually proved to be, a very important moment in my life because it allowed me to go and sit with that feeling and really learn to process something intense. So that sitting with the feeling and letting it come up and really processing the the, the emotion around it really helped me put that feeling to bed mm. and now has given me a newfound strength in myself to sort of explore something completely different. And I'm actually really excited because it's with Stuart. Mm. Oh, can I... 
tell you something that I think, and I'm, I really think the universe is is working for you mm. in ways that probably don't feel very comfortable. Hundred percent. But my perception of you sometimes is that you you sometimes focus on the external thing that's going to make you happy, which you know you've done in the past. Mm. And the universe is going, nope, you can't have that because it's not what you need. It's not what you need right now. No, but I already had it. Not to the extent that you want. I but I think what I've what I've done is every time I've gone into a job or a career, any time, any place, I've always ended up within a short space of time wanting to do something by myself. Mm. Um every time. And you know, no matter how how I try to conform with society's indication that you should just have a job and do your own thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've written books. I've done fucking loads of quirky little businesses. I've tried social media agencies. I've tried fucking, um, I've been a, a, a remote salesman. I've been a salesman. And one, one, one sort of thing that runs through all of it is I've just been a salesman, a communicator. Mm. And what I've come to realize recently is actually, I just fucking love talking. Mm-hmm. I just love talking, whether it's about me, whether it's about somebody else, but mostly about me. <laughs> I just love talking and um, realizing that, okay, so I like talking. I like doing deals. I like um, helping people. So I've got to try and find something that suits those three dynamics, right? Mm. And when we're young, in school, we're not taught anything to do with who you are what you're about, what you enjoy and what your skill sets are naturally that you should hone in on. You're taught the difference between an arable and a pastoral farm and Pythagoras theorem, like all completely irrelevant and useless knowledge considering now our mobile phones do all of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think the schools are set up in a way to promote entrepreneurial people no never they're to farm bots that fill jobs under the government's infrastructure yeah like you because lot that's getting ready to tax that's pretty much all the teachers could achieve in those schools so that's what you know they're teaching do you remember i, I don't know if this was the same for you i remember just doing a job and they told me it was like seven pound an hour or whatever it was six pound an hour so i did 20 hours and i thought i got 120 quid and at the end of the week, I got like 106. And mm. I was like, you lot owe me fucking 14 quid. They're like, no, that's tax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't ever remember getting taught about tax. Do I you? don't. Like, I don't, never uttered ever in one sentence. Yeah, I, I can remember. Yeah, I think it's um, a huge failing on um, the youth of today and the future to not teach them about money. The whole thing make, you're fighting for. It's money. You know, is you're looking to make money, teach you how to manage it, how to invest it, how to grow it, how to nurture it. <laughs> Not how to go and find a job that pays you 18 grand a year or up to 35 grand a year. It's like, no, have higher ambitions than that. I mean, let's say like if you look at like the tiering of, of income after tax, the actual impact it has on your net pay is next to nothing. You get up to 35, mm. what are you taking on? Two and a half? Two and a bit? Yeah, it's not. It's, 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 I don't want to talk about it in a really 
But it's not not in a arrogant way. Into because I've I've never I've since nineteen twenty years old. I've always earned more than a hundred thousand pound because I was always really good at what I did. So I, I don't really I couldn't imagine living. I couldn't imagine. I, I don't know. How I understand how how you could live on that sort of money. I didn't. It's not a life that I understand. I would. Mm. I couldn't. I could never settle for that. But I wish. I wish I did understand that because there's people that are happier than me, earning a tenth of what I do. They've got their shit to, all the way together, and they are so content and so happy. And I'm like, that's, but, but that's so a, admirable. I, I'd love to understand that that mindset. So one thing that I know that is going to happen because of you, you've just said what you've just said. People will be like, you don't know the real world then because we've all had to earn this and that. And I've had to start in that position. And I'm not saying that because I think that people are going to think bad of you, but they're going to, like, when you talk a figure, let's say I wanted to say I earn 25 grand a month, yeah? Mm. When you say to someone out in the world, I earn 25 grand a month, 95% of people will be uncomfortable hearing that. Be like, what are you telling me for? Mm. Some people will be like, oh, fucking hell, really? Wow. But the uncomfortable nature of those those words being said to somebody is not because we're like I don't. If I ever tell somebody I've had a really good month and I've earned good money, it's not because I'm trying to show off. It's like mm. it's, I'm like the possibilities out there actually exist. Yeah, I'm saying that I have. There has been times in my life from my addiction where I had zero money, um, and I did go on to what was I on like forty two grand a year salary plus commission. So I guess I did earn less, but. And then when I was lost my job and I had no, when I was going to rehab, I was literally like on my last pennies. And then I managed to just by the skin of my teeth, hold it all together, mm. came out and got clean. That was when I was literally down to zero. Mm. And when it was down to zero, that was when I worked the hardest. Do you know what I mean? I think it's probably one of the things, because I'd never experienced no money, when it came to no money, that's when I got my shit together. Mm. One of the, one of the many factors, mainly because of losing my son, but the other thing was I was kind of running out of time, I was running out of either. <laughs> I couldn't the show couldn't go on mm. as it was, so it was like right, you're going to be homeless pretty soon, mm. you have nowhere to live, <laughs> going to be in debt up to your eyeballs. Yeah. I mean, you've this was after being technically a millionaire. <laughs> That's mad. <laughs> In the space of from the age of twenty one to twenty six, I went from being like multi millionaire to jobless and nearly homeless mm. with nothing. I think it's interesting actually because me and you are on the other end of the spectrum. Like I've had to work for fucking next to nothing, and then I've worked my way up over mm. the last 30, 20 years. I've really worked my way. All the way up, like I've worked in a pig uh, on a chicken farm, egg farm, <laughs> horrible. And that was one of my first jobs. And you get paid like for a whole month, like 120 quid. Like it was literally like slave labor. And you'd, you know, you'd go to work and you'd come back stinking. You'd go on a come down as well. She was standing there, you know, feeling horrible, waiting for someone to spark up one of them Richmond Super Kings so you could ask for twos. <laughs> because that's essentially a whole fag twos yeah. on a su- Super King Richmond. <laughs> But you, you, you're, you know, at a young age, you're you're culturally introduced to alcohol and drugs on the large part. A lot of people are, a lot of people aren't. But also you, you're you introduced to the concept of work and trading your time for money because your parents are like, right, it's time to pay board. So it's time to go to work because you've got to learn to pave your way, which is right by them and mm. by everyone else. Like you've got to learn this situation. But actually what you're not taught is you're... The, the common level of earning 
is incredibly close to the common level of living. So if you're earning 28, 35 grand a year, unless there's two incomes in that household, you're going to be quite, and you've budgeted and saved before you've moved out, you're always going to be quite close to the line. Like, there's a massive portion of the country that live month to month, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is a lot. <laughs> like me included in that. Yeah. Why, why do you think, I had a question for you and it popped into my head and then it disappeared and now it's come back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my ADHD has served me for the first time ever. Thank you. Um, why do you think that you've had this constant cycle of um, uh, success to failure, success, success to failure or getting to a point where you're going into this and that failed and going into this and it went well, then failed, then went well, then failed and it's, you're sort of on the loop, aren't you? As you yeah. said, and now you're at the start again of something new. Well, it, it, so for me, I believe that a lot of my trauma from when I was young is rooted in I just want to be seen and patted on the back and like, oh, I'm proud of you mm-hmm. and I want that encouragement, right? <coughs> so I knew... <coughs> Excuse me. I knew... Um that I needed to try and do something to a high degree in order to get that. So from a young age, I've always thought, and particularly being in like high levels of drug debt, high high levels of debt, high levels of financial complexity, have always sort of caused me to go, oh, I need to figure something out. I need to come up with something. And then um, over the years, I've tried, tested and failed, tried, tested and failed. But my integrity and my strength has allowed me to stand myself up and go, right, I will try again at some point. I'm going to go get a job for a bit, but then I'm going to try. You know what I mean? And, and it's just been that cycle. But all the learning that I've got and also my, my, my understanding of myself and then the understanding of, like, the failures, which is so bloody cliche to, to say it, but I've genuinely learned so much from those experiences that now that I can, I can hold my own in an intellectual, articulate conversation about the nature of a business, can't I? Like you don't feel like I'm stupid enough to not get it right in a business if I was to ever try one ever again in my life, right? No, not intellectually, no. And and then, so the theoretical knowledge is there. So now the practical application has to be tied to my actions. And my actions are, my previously, my actions, like you said, always been out of I need money. But actually I'm, I'm not in a situation at the moment where I'm like, I need money. I'm in a situation where I'm like, okay, I've been in this situation before. I'm not going to act out of, I need money. I'm going to act out of how useful can I make something become? Mm. Yeah. And that, that, that now has led me to, you know, this really interesting project with Stuart where I love networking. I love communicating with people. I love building relationships. So how is it that I can't create something that would just allow me to earn from networking? You know what I mean? Connecting dots, connecting people and then building something surrounding that. And that, you know, businesses are always looking for help to find more business. Mm. So, okay, well, it's not going to be a case of me providing a service. Like, you know, I, I want to build a relationship with that person, understand what they actually need and then check my network to see if there's anybody that I can refer that has got good credibility that will help them feel comfortable in the fact that I can help refer, you know, several businesses to them to use. 
and I earn from that practice. And mm. that feels like a really logical model for me now. So you think the answer to my question is why has it been the cycle is because you had, what, the wrong focus? The wrong, I yeah, 100%. Money. The, the wrong it focus. Always, I need I get, money now and I will sort my problems out. As in it will, it will fix that I need people to see me. But also I need money now. So those two things tied together, the, the, the drama of my financial situation tied in with the um, please see me mm. as it created the characteristic of, and, and when I say characteristic, this characteristic is never going. Mm. Yeah. It's been developed. It's part of my core Which personality. The, the, the entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. So that, that, that part of me I've accepted and now I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, this here is entrepreneurial activity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the people I've surrounded myself with are entrepreneurs which has never been the case for me. Never had a network of people that respect me and like me in the way that everybody does and then can have me um, supported by you all. Like not from a financial standpoint, but from a like, you know, well, this is a good idea. That sounds really good. How are we going to make X, Y, and Z happen? Okay, cool. Mm. So then I can go away do that, come back. Now, well, now what? Like me and Scotty had a really good conversation earlier about, you know, the concept that I'd come up with. And he was like, oh, this is a complete 360 from where you were and this and this and now no, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And I'm like, well, you know, I went through it with him and by the end of it, he was like, okay, like let's, let's, let's get it written down on paper and we'll figure it out, you know? And, you know, I had a conversation with Stuart and again, I believe in the universe. He called me the morning before. He was like, look, I know the position you're in. I've got this thing. Can we take it to the next level? Do you want to come and work with me on it? I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, let, let me fit, think about it. And then this morning I was like, okay, this all makes sense now. And the universe has stripped me of everything and it's provided me, you, Scotty, Stuart, um, the podcast, my book. It's, it's provided me everything I could possibly need in order to make my life what I want it to be. I just have to remember the ethics behind it. Respectfulness, respect to myself, not desperate for money straight away. I don't want to be taking money out of the business until there's money earning in the business and it's there. Do you know mm. what I mean? I don't want to be like, oh, we've got 1,800 quid coming in. I've got to take 1,400 out. So I've got to pay my bills. I'm like, no, no, I'll figure that out over here. I'll work part-time and I'll do this. I'll do that while I build that to make sure my bills are serviced. And because I've always gone all in. I've always left the job and then tried to build something and that's failed because I've always needed money. So mm. now what I'm doing is part-time work which has an immediate earning capacity, which then allows me to then not remove the pressure. My bills have gone down by fucking 50% since the vehicle went. So now I've got lower outgoings, lower need for me to work full time. And then that allows me the, 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 the part-time entrepreneurial exercises with smart people, which will allow me to then get to where I want to go slowly, but surely and build it carefully rather than think that fucking I'm God's gift, which I've always done. <laughs> that makes sense yeah yeah I feel like I've rambled for ages <laughs> no it makes sense I'll always give you the same advice that I have given you from day one is that you've got the opportunity and the time and the space now to focus on you as mm. well as as a business it's part of you becoming an entrepreneur and building a business but I always think in order to be successful at that you've really got to be willing to look at yourself and all of the the pains and the sufferings that you have internally with your own self-worth and the wanting to see me thing, I think is, you know, folk, you've got the freedom now. That's what the universe I feel has provided you time. 
you've got freedom and time. Like you say, you've got low bills. It's like, right, okay, I can, I can really look at me now. And then also picking something that you enjoy doing or in anything, I always think career, you've got to enjoy it. You have to have a passion for what you're doing because if you don't, you will not try hard enough at it to be anything really accomplished at it. I think it, they're having a passion, right? So there's a lot of people I know that have found a job or a career where they, they've got an element of it they're really passionate about, but it's not like the whole thing. Like being passionate about something is like if your job was cycling and you loved cycling. Ah, it's her That's with the love right? heart next to her name. Sorry, carry on. Um, is that both phones as well? They're all connected together? Yeah, yeah. Uh, have you tried answering both at the same time? No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Whoa, Twilight Zone. Um, yeah, I think... I don't know. I always think you've got... A, if you want to be entrepreneurial, should I say, if you're happy in working a job for somebody else, then, you know, don't pick a job that you're really, really passionate about. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter. If you just want to punch your clock, nine to five, go home, I come, don't want to have to think about work ever again. Brilliant. Go for any job, any job, mm. any job that pays you enough to keep you content and happy. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, what you are doing has to be something you love. Has to be. Yeah, of course it does. And there's no question because it's really fucking hard. And if it isn't something that you love, you will not try hard enough to make, mm. you won't want to try hard enough because it's fucking boring. Mm. So yeah. if you don't love it and you don't enjoy it so much, then it doesn't matter what it is you're trying to do. Never going to work. We're, tr we're, we're also taught that, that it's an exchange of time for money, but actually what it's an exchange of is, is your knowledge and understanding and skills for um, a, a desired fee. And then if you replicate that out, you will then earn, more money than you would in a job where you've got to just transfer 40 hours a week indefinitely extrapolated across a year, less 20 days holiday and bank. You know what I mean? It's like, I think everybody needs to kind of make a decision at a certain age where you go, what am I going to be? Am I going to, am I comfortable with an average salary and an, and an average life externally, but that could be filled with love, which makes it, exceptionally good mm. but am I happy with the mediocre external value of things and if I'm content with that okay that means I can sit and chill and not have to worry too much because you'll always find a job and you can always be if you work hard enough in any job you're going to be fine you're mm. always going to keep it and you're always going to find work or are you someone that that really wants to have the freedom and the the enjoyment of having flexibility and money and freedom I think the, it, because of the culture of us just going straight from school to work, it's weird how we have a uniform and it's nine till fucking three. So no, I never did that though. It's close to, but it's close to working hours. I mean, like the the school system then leads on to the work system, which mm. is all uniform. Yeah, it was. They do. That's kind of what work is. That's what. <laughs> It's weird, isn't it? Like the schooling system is basically just like a pre-work system to get you ready for the fucking the actual mundaneness of day-to-day -day life, which is shit. Work because, experience, yeah. But I, I, my first business was my first job. I had my first, actually, no, I worked for, so from the age of 13, I worked uh, on the market store or 12. And then I'm, I bought that store when I was 15. So my first job was for my own business. And I was earning like 25 grand a year at like 15. Really? 
And back then, that's back, good yeah, time. that's uh, so early 2000s, 2001, 2002. I was, yeah, I was fucking loving life. I was like running my own business while I was still going to school. <laughs> that's mad. How? <laughs> because it was on, so I was taking, I didn't go to school on the Tuesday. I just didn't go. <laughs> um, and then on the Saturday, it was, yeah, it was only two days a week and it was earning me that much money. Yeah. Mental. So yeah, we bought it. My dad lent me the money again. Something that he was always good with. Money is the only thing he was kind of really been consistent with. But then he'd use it against you, so it was never worth borrowing. Um, but I always I paid him back over the years, and then um, yeah. So when I was I bought it when I was fifteen, did it for two years, and then I then I left it. To, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I said, Dad, you can take it, and he used it he, for a little while for tax purposes. <laughs> And then, and then, and then, uh, yeah, don't worry, he went bankrupt anyway, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, then I went into recruitment and then that was me. I was, I was set. I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I want. I knew, and I, I, I had a passion for talking as well. That was it. I loved to communicate because it came from being on the market still. Because mm. that, that changed me massively because I was quite a, unsure of myself boy mm. but when I worked on the market so I, it kind of made me I needed to be more outgoing more communicative more jack the lad everybody say oh you're the boy from the market still oh yeah you know everywhere I went when I was like 18 and that after I quit they'd always I'd go out and be like oh, I remember you used to work on the market because so I used to be like really bubbly really go and talking to everybody talking to all the old people and like it changed me it gave me that grounding of being confident so it kind of made me what yeah. I was really it was brilliant. You know, I actually loved it. It was one of the best jobs ever. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I turned up hanging quite a few times, which was miserable at 5am. Oh. <laughs> well, that discipline at 15 is... Yeah, I, mean, I, I came in peeled up once. <laughs> Want a banana, mate? <laughs> it was pet food. <laughs> that was one of the worst experiences of my life. I turned up late and my nan and granddad had, uh, and my dad had already set up the stall for me because normally I did it, but I didn't turn up. And I turned up off my box, massive pupils, and I, I hid underneath like a shelf in the market, put a blanket over me and just hid all day. <laughs> Mate, isn't it weird that you had that, right? <clears throat> One of my first ever jobs, I worked in a pet food shop. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I worked there for a long time, probably a couple of years. And it was like, I, I realised in that job, like I was good at building relationships with people that work there. And then I was realised I was good at building relationships with customers. Mm. So like I was always good at customer service. I thought I was going to be good at customer service. Mm. But actually what I'm good at is conversations. Yeah, I'm good yeah. at talking, building relationships, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like, it's such a, I think, that's what I think some people are like, oh sorry, not some people, that's what schools should really teach is communication. Like there should be a massive section on that because if, if you can communicate well and elegantly and mellifluously, <laughs> then you're, you're, you are going to get into any job. Like you can literally talk yourself into any job. Like I'm pretty confident that if I had to go and interview for like an, an enterprise architecture role, for example, I think if I researched enough for the role, I, I could interview well enough to get the job Mate. because of how I can communicate. I've never failed an interview in my life, <laughs> apart from one where I was overqualified for the fucking role. Never done it before. <laughs> right? They was like, you're definitely overqualified for this. And I was like, okay. Um, the 
I've never failed an interview, right? And one, so I was in, um, I worked for Travis Perkins for seven years. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Long time. Well, parts long, company. Yeah. So like parts, like materials, builders, merchant, right? I worked my way up from the warehouse, got into the fucking leadership team there. And then I got, got out of that and into the head office. And then I left the head office, right? And I got a job, right? As a plumber for, um, I had 20 Morrison stores that I was responsible for. Right. <laughs> right. Don't know how to plumb. At <laughs> all. Be a plumber. At all. <laughs> I had, I had, I had started to sign up. I didn't have the money for it <laughs> to an online plumbing course. And I told him I've just started a plumbing. I've, I've oh just signed up God. to an online plumbing course. But that's how good you were at communicating. I could literally, I literally, yeah. and the guy was like, yep, sweet. And I got a van and I got a fuel card. And I, I do you know what? Every job I went to, I just figured it out and I fucking got on YouTube and I watched the videos. That was back when my, when my little girl was just before she was born. If I, if I could go back to school and focus on one thing, it would have been English and writing and communication. 100%. That's it. Like that was for me, that would be the only really thing I would need from school. It's the only thing you do actually yeah, need. If nothing you, else. I don't need anything else. You've got a calculator on your phone. You've got yeah. Google for everything else. If yeah. you can learn to communicate articulately and yeah. develop them. Well, also you can learn everything else then as well. If you've really, if you're a really good reader, you're really good at writing and you're really good at communication, you can learn anything you and want. You can ask proper questions. Yeah. So I think realistically, if you're focusing on that, then you're going to be good at anything or you have the ability to be then good at anything afterwards. Simple. The, the Like the idea of interviewing, right? And this is for anybody that is fucking about to go for an interview. Every job you've ever done and everything you've ever done, if you can put that down onto your CV, which is what you're supposed to do, but the job you're interviewing for, for if you can pull out the core essential skills from your past and tie that to why you think you would be good for that job is the very reason that you will get that job. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everything I take from that, it, like my CV could say anything. And I would say, you know, I, when I got the job as a plumber, like well, I've got the ability to run my own day. I have done field sales. I've done X, Y, and Z. So I do know how to run my own day. I'm very disciplined with that side of things. Um, dealing with the store managers, I know that that's something that I've been very strong with as well because I've dealt with high up leadership in in, in lots of companies, including Travis Perkins. So I do have um, the language down as well. I do understand all the materials I'm going to be using. I could probably purchase quite well as well because I do understand the back end systems of those companies. So you, when you understand the reason that they're going to think you're going to be good for that job mm. by just reading the job description and asking the, ask the interviewer questions as well. Like, so what do you think that you would need for me in this job to be a successful candidate in this, in this interview? What would you, what do you need from me? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always good I think the best way to interview would be if you could get to ask the questions for them to tell you exactly what you, what they want. And then you pitch them you that fits what they want. Now, now this is again, another thing when, when you've been in sales and communication for such a long time, the whole idea of a, of a, sale, a selling and sales role is, is you're, you're leading the conversation, mm. right? But what you're also doing is, understanding their actual position. So it's not manipulation. What you're doing is you're saying, right, like, what do you actually need? Where are you at the moment? Like, how does it feel? Kind of what, what, what are you doing moving forward? And I'll say, right, well, it kind of sounds like, so you use neutral language, kind of sounds like you could potentially do with X, Y, and Z. Then if those things sound like they would work, 
like how soon do you think you'd want to go ahead with it if it, if it sounded like the right solution? You know what I mean? It's like, and you talk to him with a tonality, like you're talking to somebody that you know, not the, hello there, John. So then, do you think that it's like, because you immediately switch them off. So mm. then the way I've found best to communicate and sell is like, all right, mate, so look, I don't know if I'm right in my thinking here and maybe I'm wrong, you tell me, but I would always just be myself, try and, bring down the walls and then try and build the relate because people think you've got to ask how their day is and what are your kids doing? Mm, you know, no, talk about last weekend. No, there's, I always, I hate that. I, yeah, hate, it, I hate when people think that getting into rapport is based upon talking about stuff that's not related to the job. It's not It's like, no, that's nonsense. It's all about communicating. It's about staying. It's called professional rapport. You stay within the profession. So you build rapport, but you, it's based on intellect around the job. So it's like asking questions not about their personal life, but about the job, about what's it, what's important to the role or what's important to their career. What's, what, what about their role and their responsibility? What do they bring to the table? How would you how would you be involved in my role in the business? Like what would, do you know what I mean? It's all kept professional if you start talking about like dogs and <laughs> how many pets you've got and you know what you, I, I, what, what you like to do when you were, you were a kid and do you like fishing it's like you're an idiot yeah but you, it, look, it, you sound like an idiot and you come across like you haven't got a clue what you're talking about and you're trying to find something to talk about because exactly, you don't know what you're talking about exactly so <laughs> the, the way that i i always structure it is you do the pressure professional rapport first yeah but then you know, also, I will, I will always pull the tone down into that neutral, like, we're just two people talking tone. So we're on the same level. So I'm not going to try and talk up to you like you're my senior. Mm. In fact, if you've got a problem, technically, I'm your solution. Mm. So actually, I should have equal, if not slightly more power in the hierarchy, but I'm not trying to take take you down that path. So how how is it that you think that you're you know struggling at the minute? What is it you think that I can potentially look at doing to help? I think sometimes when you're interviewing though, you like you're trying to trying to sell to them without knowing what it is they want. But you can obviously work out what they what they want from the job descriptions. That's one thing. But there's one way that I think you can get every single job, and it's this simple: sound like an expert and deliver what you say exceptionally well. Sound very strong. Sound very confident, and come across intelligent and come across well educated and hardworking if you can deliver your tone and your presence and the way you carry yourself in that way you'll get any job ever it won't matter but realistically an interview is you selling you to them right so when you sell yourself to them right and when when you marry up like you do with all your pillars there if you don't know yourself well enough on how you can sell yourself to anyone yeah then that's why you'll fail at an interview because they'll ask you questions like, have you ever done this job before? Well, do you know what? To be honest, I've never done this specific role before, but, you know, I have done this role before, I've done that role before. And I guess, you know, I believe that those qualities will mean I'll be pretty good at that. And, you know, arguably we all learn things. So, you know, you learn to drive at some point. So if you can't teach me um, this role, like maybe we're not even in the right conversation. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Again, I, I... like I want to be in the right job as well. Don't go into a job just because you need a job. Go into the job because you actually think, well, this is a two-way street here. You know? Yeah, I think there's a lot. There's a lot of defining characteristics about someone's job for a lot of people, which I think is wrong. A lot of people put so much of them their self worth is invested in their career, and it's like if I don't have this job, or or 
that that is their their self worth. So they'll wear it everywhere. It's like, oh, I earn this much money, and I do this, and I do that, and it's like, we don't care. <laughs> I don't care how much money you earn. I don't value anybody how on how much money they earn ever. That has zero importance to me. And I understand that some people will, but again, I just disagree with them. And I disagree with the notion that your job has anything to do with your self-worth at all. It has nothing to do with it. I believe that the metrics that I follow when I value an individual in my perspective is how open can you be with me and how open can I be with you and how close can we get? For me, it's how much do you love yourself and how much can you love others? Same thing, sort of in in a slightly different way. Like, so how how open can you be to sort of getting to know me? Because you would have to be one of them closed off sort of. Like, I've got people I know that you you know they literally only want to talk about stuff, and actually, mm. what I want to talk about you. Yeah, I think it's that's when you get to know someone on a deeper level. Or, or when you when you meet people, though, a lot of people aren't willing to get vulnerable straight away, and that's because they have different protective strategies within themselves. But you like you could meet someone and they're very closed off when there's lots of people around, but then you go and spend time in the room in a room that's just you two. And then you start to see a slightly different character. Do you know what I mean? So I, I can't always judge someone based on how much they're willing to give me emotionally or in terms of vulnerability. It would depend on the setting and how, you know, if I'm being open and honest and vulnerable with them and it's a safe space and they're then still being like withdrawn and closed off and not giving mm. me anything. then I'm like, Okay, well, we don't have that then. But that's not the, the, the thing. Is for me is like a, my my skill and my thing that I like to do is relationship building, mm. and I like to build relationships because it is it, for me it's intimacy. I like that thing where it's like you know I want to do business with people that know, like, and trust me. Mm. Yeah, and I want to do business with people that I know, like, and trust. Yeah, now, there's never an office that I call or go to, and the woman's like, "Hello." You okay? Like, I'd be like, I'm not doing business with you. I don't want to work with you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm not having you in my life. There's only, there's two there's two different types of part relationships, I think. I don't care if my clients trust me or whether they respect me or like me. There's no bearing on my relationship to them whatsoever. However, business partners, yes. So I have to really like and respect my business partner if I'm, and trust them if I'm going to go into business with you. If I'm going to make money from a client, I don't care if they respect me. It doesn't. It's not important. It's uh, it, what's important is that I do my fucking job exceptionally well and that they 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 want what I have. Yeah, that's all I care about. That's where I I like to have my like so in terms of volumes of clients in the last twelve months, I haven't had as many as everyone else by a long shot, mm. but the relationships that I've built with those clients are good enough for me to continue to work with them over a period of time in order to provide the service over and over again and yeah. continue to, 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 to have that. Because I, like, you know, I would rather deal with people that I like and I would rather deal with people that on a regular basis that I like. So then the, every time my phone rings, I'm not like, Oh fuck it. Yeah. You've got two types of client, haven't you? You've got ones that are repeat business and you'll create more business through them, but then you've got one timers, but I don't care if they're one timers like me or not. <laughs> Most of the time, a lot of my clients probably think I'm really annoying, <laughs> but it was because I have to be annoying to get my job done effectively. So I don't care if you like me. <laughs> really? Couldn't care less. I literally couldn't care less. I know I've got a service that you want. That's it. It doesn't have any bearing on me whatsoever about, yeah, I can care less. But again, like I say, business partners, 100% is important. Um, Do you think the business partners have to have the same ethic as you? In terms of like what, how you see? Yeah, I think you have to have a moral 
um, you have to share the same moral compass mm. and you have to trust and respect them a lot. And I think if you don't, it's going to be complicated later on. Yeah, I think, yeah, because I've had business partners and it's gone south, um, mainly due to respect. Yeah. I've lost friends because of businesses. I think business has to be an unemotional process and, and then friendships have to be separate. So you can be in business with somebody for six months or 10 years, as long as you can separate business from friendship. But also mm. like the the business side of it, the qualities have to be transmutable. So friendship requires integrity and um, respect and business requires integrity and respect. Otherwise that person starts doing snaky shit behind your back mm. and try to, you know what I mean? That's it's, it's complicated, isn't it? They always say don't do business with friends or family. Um, to a certain degree, I, I can agree. And I've always said the same thing you just did. Like, you know, you should never really cross that, that boundary with, with a friendship um, and then a business, but I guess there's a strange dynamic that's created within my current business partnership because my current business partner is like my father. You know, he's, I trust him with everything in my life and that it hasn't always been that way though. You know, he's, he's been with me for years. Like we had our first business together. I lost that. He was the reason I wasn't allowed to go back to work. Well, I say he was the reason I was the reason, but he was the one who made the decision. Mm. Um, and that was really painful for me to accept because I was always felt very close to him. He took me to rehab, you know, and, and then we didn't speak for six, seven years, maybe, I don't know, maybe less than that, maybe four or five years. And then he heard I got clean and then he contacted me to say, well done. And I was like, earmarked that for a little bit because it was like six months clean I was. And then I was like, I'll speak to you when I'm a year. And then when I was a year, I contacted him and said, look, I want to go again. What are you saying? And he was like, 100%, let's do it. And then we started again and like, and I always said to my brother for years, like, oh, because he's got a friendship and business partner at the same time. And I said, oh, you should never you should never have everything in writing and don't have everything on words. You know, it's business, it's business. But I would do anything on, on a, sh a handshake with, with David. Like, I would trust him with anything. I would, there's no, I know he would never, ever, ever hurt me or screw me over in any way, shape or form. Um, which is a strange thing to have in a business partner because I think normally norm the dynamic is always you never trust anyone in business. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't, to be honest. Obviously, this is where I've probably made a lot of mistakes in my past to do with business as well because I'm very trusting. I'm well, you made like, it recently, didn't you? And it's cost you big time. Yeah, but it, again, again, <clears throat> it. I've had it few, fair few times actually in my history where, you know, gentleman's handshake, like, okay, this sounds great, mm. right? No, particularly in like 2016, I put my whole life out online. You know what I mean? I put everything I had into something. I built and built and I worked so fucking hard to have someone pull the rug from beneath me. Mm. And I was doing roofing in on a fucking school in, um, what's that place near, on the, just on the outskirts of Luton, on the way to London, on the left-hand side. What, what, what begins with... I can't remember what it's called. Physic. Uh, yeah, near there is. Um, anyway, don't matter. Regard, regardless, um, I remember being there on the roofs. It's a nice area, nice built-up area. Um, uh, St Albans. Ah, yeah. Yeah, and I was on a school roof there, and I was putting some fucking insulation on it. It was blistering hot. It was fucking 
horrible. The boards were hard to move. I was looking at nice houses everywhere. And I thought my, my ex-missus on the phone, which I was fighting for, I was trying to get her back. She just got a new fella. And I was just like, like... I can't believe this has happened. I thought this was it. What, when your business partner left it and it, threw you? Yeah, literally threw away. me on the bus and signed fraudulent contracts and fucking all sorts, just left. And then I was left with 10, 15 clients that were ringing me like, we haven't had 50% of our deal. We haven't had 50% of what we what we paid for. Mm. We've had you, we've not had 50% of what we paid for. And I was like, this is mad. This is mental. And, you know, it went away. And like, whether I made mistakes or not, I probably did. Um, yeah, I think it's always important to try and look at your part in it. What did you do that, that led to the... I just picked the, the wrong business partner. You know, and, and there was me and another guy, another production company, and we, we put this video together. And it must have... It was like the guy took so much time out of his day and his day rate is like a lot. And we would put this... We put this together and we all like contributed to like he had a share of the of the of the content we put this video out and it got fucking half a million views in like four days and we were like that's mental and I wrote a book and I'd done everything to try and build a business from the bottom up and this was back when Instagram before Instagram was fucking Instagram like it is now mm. it, like it was it could have been done you know what I mean I could have done it from there and I just weren't ready. And I just see it now as like an opportunity to grow and learn. And then, you know, it, I just see my life in this position now. Like I've never been in a better position to succeed with who I've got around me, what I've got going on, this po like just the podcast, like everything that's going on in my life now. Mm. I can't see a reason unless I relapsed. Yeah. I can't see a reason why this and my life will not go where I want it to go now. I can't see one. No, I don't see one either. If you continue to work hard and believe in yourself and work hard on yourself whilst pursuing any career that it is that you want to do, then, yeah. I, my, I always refer to my own mistake and my own mistake and that I've always made and the reason I fucked up every single time was because I was a mess. Internally. 100%. Internally. Same. I was a mess emotionally and I couldn't control my actions or my, my behaviours um, that then that then cost me everything every time. So, I mean, you've lost a lot as well, like multiple millions. Mm, yeah, that. But again, it was all my fault. Stupid. Just. But again, because I didn't, I had all the time and the money in the world, and I didn't for one second think about investing into growing myself as a person individually at all. I didn't think about anything that had happened to me in my life needed fixing. I didn't think that I was in total denial that I had any issues internally, emotionally, mentally. Um, Can I ask why? Why did I? Why didn't you know? Because I had convinced myself from a very young age that anything that had happened to me didn't hurt. I told myself that, I was totally fine. And it was the only way to survive. As a child, it was the only way to cope. I basically, at a certain age, switched off feelings. And when you do that, it basically convinces you that you're okay. And that way you don't have to feel all the pain that you have inside about all the shit that's happened to you and how fucked up you are. And do you that's think the only way to live. as well? Do you think culturally, sorry to go in. Do you think culturally as well, like getting out of school, starting to drink, getting into work, most people 
will find that drinking and drugs becomes part of that cultural shift. And then you found your comfort there because before you were drinking and taking drugs. Well, I was always in sales too. And that goes hand in hand, drinking drugs, doesn't it? Yeah, so yeah. I went straight into a profession where fucking drugs was everywhere. Mm. Um, I grew up around drugs. I saw drugs on a daily basis from the age of six, seven years old, pills and fucking weed and fucking everything. So it was um, an alcohol, you know, being used as a substance to cure pain. You know, so it was like I learned. I learned that, that that that's what I needed to do to keep everything bottled up. But yeah, there's twofold. You know, part of it was I learned the behaviour to use things and substances to make myself feel better. Um, and the other thing was I I just I developed the coping mechanism internally to shut off pain. Mm. So then I went through my whole life thinking, you know, when I was talking about things that had happened in my childhood, there was no emotion in it. You know, I'd get geared up and stuff like that, and, it, and always everybody got deep, and there was always that point in a whenever I spoke about my childhood, it was always flippantly. It was always like, well, this catastrophic, awful thing happened. And everyone was like, and I was like, yeah, it was just day to day life. It was it, and in genuine, but yeah, but at the point of telling those stories and at that moment in my life, I felt no pain to it at all. Nothing. My body, my brain and body had built such a strong defense against feeling anything about any of those situations. I was totally convinced. It's almost, it's almost like being hypnotized. So, like I didn't have anything wrong. I didn't feel anything wrong with me. I, I just felt so so strong in myself. Mm. But it was fake. It wasn't real. Really, I was broken. <laughs> you know, everything that happened to me had affected me in so many ways, in every single way. Everything I did mm. was based on the things that had happened to me. Even the success that I had was driven by pain and suffering that I had been through. You know, everything it's that I said. So that's why it didn't last. So... I never thought that I needed to. I was convinced that I was totally fine. But then obviously when your your life starts to fall apart, um, you know, and it happened multiple times, you know, the, the market store, so I moved on. And, but then when I had my second job, you know, I nearly lost that job because of drugs. So the, it was starting to crumble. But then I remember even my, the, having the job had this so drilled into me, being successful and having money was so prioritised in my mind for two reasons. One, to get away from the chaos that I lived in with my dad because, you know, I wasn't didn't really see my mum that much since the age of 16. So it was always with my dad. And then uh, two was to prove to him that I was fucking good. You know, I wanted to prove to him that I was better than him. You know, that I could do more than he could, I would achieve more. So uh, they were really good driving factors to get me to get to a certain place, but there was never, there was always a ceiling on that. There was never any further I could go because of my emotional state. Yeah. You know, I could never do any better. You can never, like, I believe in that, that you can never be more than what you think you're worth. And the thing is, to my core, I felt worthless. I felt worthless. I'd always been made to feel worthless. In every single direction, I felt worthless. So, you know, when it, and that's why when I invested into being successful to the level I did, don't you know, I could also work really fucking hard and really smart at the same time. Like I was ruthless at my job. I was, and it always as well, my self-worth was totally wrapped up in it. I always had to be the best, had to be number one. There was never anything less than that that was good enough for me. Mm. You know, so from... I remember coming in and meeting Scotty and meeting Jeff, who was my late, both later on business partners. You know, Scotty went away, but Jeff was my business partner for a couple of years or maybe three years. But when I first started there, Scott and Scott and Jeff were kind of like top to above average billers, top billers ish. And I said to them both, I was like, I started to hang around with them outside of work, and I said, "I'm coming for you." First night out with them, I said, "I'm coming for you." Really? Yeah. And they just both looked at each other and burst out laughing. And was like, who the fuck is this cunt? <laughs> and you did. And I beat them both, yeah, within a year. 
Really? Yeah, I'd never worked the job before. I obviously done recruitment in IT, but I, within a year I'd overtaken both of them. Um, yeah, I was just, I, there was nothing that was going to stop me. And then they were both, they, I remember like a year later, we had another night out and I was like, what was that? Really? <laughs> that was, I was, that was my worst de- character defect as well. Like I was really shit at winning. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd rub it in your face. I was not humble at all. I was really arrogant. Because I knew I was good as well. Like I, I, I knew when I said that to them, I meant it. Oh, I was mm. nothing that was going to stop me beating them. But then, even though I was that successful, I was that good at that job, they still sacked me. I was the best in the company. They sacked me because I was such a cunt. <laughs> really? I, because I thought I could do whatever I wanted. I come in whenever I wanted. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even apologise. Didn't give them an excuse. I just turned up when I started to get to a point where I was billing loads of money. And this is the other thing that pissed everybody else off as well, because I I, had earned, I was one of the best, but I worked the least. <laughs> so <laughs> I got up to a certain point and I was like, not coming in on Mondays and Fridays, really. I was only working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I'd come in and be like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. I was like, look, you're not paying me for the days I'm not here on my basic salary anyway. So what does it matter? I was like, I knew I had them. Mm. I knew I had them. But they hate. They didn't have a reason to sack me because, well, they technically did because I kept not turning up. But because I was earning so much money, I knew I had them and they couldn't let me go. But then I was, there was some, I was rude and I like, got into arguments. I said something that I got really angry and said something a little bit racist once. Yeah, it was bad. Basically, it, it, that was when I got sacked. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, a, that, that, that's an instant dismissal from all jobs. Isn't I it? didn't. I didn't technically say anything racist. Basically, it was the director's cousin who had basically screwed me over, and they carried. They kept basically because I was smashing it so much. The people were trying to steal deals off of me within my own company, and one of them happened to be related to the director. And it happened four or five times, and then I, I went back to the to the directors and each time I had to have my deals reinstated to me they were booked in, in so there was two companies and like my company basically made a deal happen but then at the last minute the other company called up my deals kept getting called up and saying oh no you can come work with us because they were a, like a contracted supplier this other company so then they kept, the deals kept falling apart and I was like what the fuck's going on so there was taking data from, the, from my work my notes that I was making on the system and calling up my deals and stealing them and then I had to go improve every time look look no I did this first this was my fucking deal and then it happened like four or five times and each time it got given to me but on the fifth time they went and met one of my doctors who I had resourced myself I knew and I kept the fucking CV in the drawer I didn't even put it on the system and I was like but they somehow managed to get it I was like how how have they stole this doctor they went and met him told him that I was useless at my job that I was this I was that and I fucking lost my shit again my ego was what was the problem and I went over and I was going through their computer trying to find out how they'd stole this information ended up getting in a fight ended up smashing a computer screen and then I got sacked (laughs) and on my exit interview though I even said to him John Heron he passed away bless him um, I said to him you've just made a really big fucking mistake by the way because everything I've built here I'm fucking taking it with me. Fuck you. <laughs> and I walked out and I started my own company uh, about two months later. And no one knew what I was doing. Everybody. And then I stole Jeff and I stole Scott, who were their top billers. They come and work with me. And then none of them knew. None of them knew what I was doing. We were all working under different names. No one had a fucking clue. Everyone was like, where are they? What are they doing? As soon as the restrictions was up, I was like, bam, here we yeah. are. Yeah, new offices. And we went from from like... Three of us, Scotty left after like a month though, he went back. Um, 
And then we, I, I was just, yeah, I was just ripping it, mate. I was just smashing deal after deal after deal. I carried Jeff for ages. Really? <laughs> yeah. But then, then it became really competitive between me and him. But I was like doubling what he was doing, or tripling even what he was doing. And then that's why we fell out. But we went from a two-man office to a 50-man office in two years. That was the growth. To 1.3, 1.4 million net profit a year. And that was in our third year. We fucking smashed it. I mean, that on a balance sheet is fucking insane. You never, ever see um, a seven-figure net profit. Never. Oh, it was brilliant. Mate. You never see it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, obviously everybody goes through, you go through the accounts and you start to see, well, oh, that expense and that expense and dividends and this and that. Well, and that, that was that was including divvies we took out. So we that's after divvies as well. That's we, net. So yeah, net, 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 net. So we took 50 grand profit out as well. Well, sorry, not 50 grand, 50% prof profit. So you'd, so it's 2.8 <laughs> overall in profit. That's a, it's mental. Yeah. And you we, didn't buy a DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, and, but the thing is, it was net. The reason I was quite good, I think, is because nothing was enough. Because I was always chasing something to make me feel worth worthy. And even when I'd achieved all of that, it still didn't, it still wasn't enough. I was the best at the job that I'd ever been. Everybody knew who I was. Everywhere I went out, if anybody was in medical and they heard my name, they'd be like, oh my God, you're sad. I loved it. I loved it. It was like everything I'd ever, it was like Christmas. Mm. Finally, people were, like you said, I want to be seen. Mm. Um, still wasn't enough. Because I didn't not seen fix. by the right people. That's like short-term validation. Sue's got questions. Go on, Stu. Um, how comes you were so good at what I did? Yeah, what 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 made you? Because that's a running theme. That and obviously I know because I've known Scotty for years, and he used to talk about you back then. <laughs> I remembered your name when obviously when we when we met. But how comes? What? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that you were so that good? Um, two things: communication. I was always sick at. Um, but there's this other thing, and I I. I always often wondered why, and it was because. So when I was a kid, I was there was obviously so much violence going on all the time, um, and yeah, I developed something called emp an empath instinct. So you you're constantly aware through p tone of voice and through visuals that you pick yeah. up from people. So I had this insane awareness around people. Um, about how they felt, about what they needed. Um, and that is why I think I was really good at it because I could pick up the phone and I would hear someone's voice and I would know exactly how to talk to them. I knew exactly what to say because of how they even answered the phone, mm. how they said hello. And even now I still can do it. It's like when somebody says hello to me in a certain way, I every pitch will be slightly different, not even necessarily the words, but the way I talk to them. You know, with females, it's always very different. And a certain type of female is very different. Certain type of male is very different. It's like I could, it, it, it's not like I have to think about it. It just instantly I knew. Mm -hmm. I just knew, right, if I talk to them in this way, I'll get what I, what I need from them. They'll, they'll engage with me. And it was just, yeah. yeah, just a natural thing that I'd had. So that coupled with the fact that I just had an absolute desire to be really rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Put all that together and it just made me really good at the job, I think. Mm. I mean, I know a lad that I, I used to work with and he was like top builder last year and he billed like silly money. But he, again, he was the guy that was at the phone. He was a dog. He was just fucking, and he would wrap people right up and get, get, mm. he would get 
he like if if a deal needed closed in the office, you get him on the phone. Mm. You know what I mean? It was yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. He, he he would be able to close it, and it, it was a you know it's, it's a really impressive thing. To, we, me and him were quite close, like very close actually, and you know it's an impressive thing to watch. But then the 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 the, the, the like my boss, same level, mm. just and like he would be running a whole office and then turn it on himself, and it'd mm. be like. Yeah, that's what I what I loved but, about it. I used to love when I one of the best things about running that company was when people would fail, and they'd say, "Zach, I can't get this deal over." And I'm like, "Yeah, bring it in," and I'd get everyone round. I'd be like, "Come listen, let's do this." I'd put it on speaker, and I'd call them, and we'd and I'd do it in front of everyone, and I'd close them. Never failed, every single time. But that 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 self belief and confidence definitely helps because when you're trying to like negotiate a deal, if you can look at it like, no, no, no. The, this is what they need. This is why they need it, and this is how we get around it. Now, my my re my like when it comes to like selling motorbikes, I was very good. Mm. Like I could sell motorbikes, right? I was really because you're passionate about it. Me, I'm passionate about it, but also like my finance pen. What we look, I think my 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 boss showed me that like I was really really high, and it was like high up in the country out of like 180 dealerships. Like I was really good mm. at getting people from cash to finance. Mm. Because, like, why wouldn't you? Why are you going to buy something that's going to go down in value and you've got to tell your missus 25 grand's coming out of your bank account <laughs> when you can use somebody else's money and then get out of it early and then not pay as much interest as you think you're going to pay? Mm-hmm. Well, I can do that. Yes. Do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, like, get them loaded up on all the extras and all that stuff. Like, I was good at that. But, like, again, I feel like we've come, we've got, like, a sales podcast now because we but we've both been in that, that well, I think that's why we communicate so well because we've developed a skill, and I've got that empath thing as well. When you, you develop that, when you um, when you are always checking your environment, yeah, you have to, to be aware because you need to know what you need to do to be safe. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a it's a it's a thing. Like when I can pick up when somebody's not feeling right, mm. or, or, or or it can be exhausting as well. When you that's why I don't like going with lots of people all the time. You know, I said to you, I can't be around so many people. Yeah. Like, I don't mind small groups, three, four, that's fine. And if I know them all as well. But if it's like, that's why I don't go to the man cave as much because too many people. Mm. It's too draining. I come out of there feeling exhausted. Man. It does me in. Yeah, absolutely drains me. And there's so much energy going on between loads of different people. I'm observing everybody's feelings, behaviours, the way they talk, the way, like, it's all coming in. It's like, it's like knowledge about what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling. And it's constant. And then I, I'm just like, fuck yeah. me, that's too much. It's too much. So that's why, yeah, the, so, empath, the empath thing is, is a beautiful thing and it's also a curse. Yeah, I mean, it, it works well for me because, uh, but it doesn't as well because, like, you're not feeling right, are you? Like, and I can sort of pick it up and I'm like, I'm looking for the signals as to why I'm going to get rejected. I'm looking for danger. This, yeah. Oh you're looking God. for danger. That's yeah. what empath is. It's always looking for danger. Yeah. Which can sometimes ruin really positive things. So it's hot. It's, it's important to like check in with, with your empath ability and what, how strict, how strong it is. There's also loads of different types of it as well. So mm. it's always good to know what you need to, to reset yourself and to be good. That's why I spend so much time alone. Mm. I love being alone. Like mm. it makes me you're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like when I had Tim and that here for, um, you know, when you come over before that I was I went and had a bath for an hour yeah yeah and then I was, and I was just sat in the room for 30 minutes because like I'd, I'd been around everybody all day and I was like I need me I need to shut everybody out I need to get back to myself because this is just like I'm tired I'm drained from being around so many people all the time See, I can be around people all the fucking time and I can be on the phone all fucking day you, you love to be in that space like, so like 
we, we looked at my phone and talk time, didn't oh we? Oh my God, eight hours a day. That's ridiculous. Eight and a bit hours a day. And I mean, from six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's intense, like, bro. I'll, on the stairs and in the gym in the morning, I'll be on the phone to Coops and then I'll be, you know what I mean? I'll be, I'll ring you and then Scotty and then I'll, I'll speak to fucking 10, 15 other people and I'll get people call me from the man cave and I've got, I'm just always on the phone and I'm like, this is, it's mad how, mm. how that happens. But actually, I, do you know what I'm, I really love at the moment? Right? I went through a period here where I barely even needed a phone because nobody would ring me. Mm. No one. Mm. Now I know when I check my phone, I've got 25, 30 WhatsApps to get to. I've got fucking, mm. like, I, I can, I tried to show somebody the other day. I, I it was um, um, a PT in the gym. I said, oh, can we do a leg session soon? And they were like, yeah, of course. Like when? They, they messaged me, so when do you want to do it? And I forgot to message them back. And I saw them in the gym and I was like, oh shit, I completely forgot to message you back, didn't I? And I was like, just want to show you something. And like three days worth, and it was like, scroll, scroll. What, your calls? No, just my my, um, my inbox. Yeah, yeah. Just on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Like at least three pages of swipes. I was like, I'm sorry, I just, like after after five or six messages from different people, you're, mm. you're in a different screen. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then by that time, ADHD and fucking all over the place, it's gone. I've but but you love that. <laughs> I like, because I've always felt on the outside of, and I've always had to call people to be like, oh, what are you up to? Like, I get calls, what are you doing? I'm like, mm. what? You coming around? What? I remember when you called me first time, like, you coming around? I was like, <laughs> this is a prank. Yes, okay. Scepticism was, was, was kicking like, in. Oh, oh, three seconds after you put the phone up, bang, bang, bang. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. I fucking hate when my phone rings. <laughs> and you answer like this, hello. <laughs> no, I don't, I've got like a certain number of people that I, I like to hear from, but generally, generally I like my phone to be as quiet as possible. <laughs> I mean, we looked at your talk time and my talk time and yours like an hour a day. Yeah, but yeah, most of that was work and three of them, I made six calls and three of them you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Incoming. I know. <laughs> Whereas me, I've got fucking like, it's literally hours, Stuart, like, like hours. I, I think. You ring, you ring me, you ring me a lot. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I but I, I think. I was, I was telling Scotty yesterday that um, when I wake up in the morning, I'll do my meditation and stuff. And I'll take my phone off airplane mode and your messages come through, ring me ASAP. <laughs> It's good. It was a good call though, wasn't it? <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I have my, I've got my phone on do not disturb. I don't want people to contact me. Mm. So I'm like, this is me time, my time. I don't want, I don't like, I don't like my phone as much as I used to. But I think for you, as I observe your behaviour, as I always do, and if I, I want, if you want me to be completely honest with you, I think that is something no. that you, <laughs> no. I think you'll shine a light on that eventually and you'll realise something about it that makes you not need it anymore. Yeah. I, I just, I love being, I love talking. I love being in contact with people. I love communicating. I love having friends. I love having, I love being useful as well. I love, I love the fact that like people call me and I can offer advice or people ring me with something and I can offer some sort of utility. And it's like, you know, let's say out of the calls I made today, nine or 10 of them, I was being useful to somebody else. I was helping somebody else. I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. My, my, sorry, I'll rephrase then. What I mean is that eight hours a day won't be necessary at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
But I think yeah, it won't be necessary. But you know, this is what, what it's, it's, I've had to come to embrace the fact that I just love doing deals and I love getting to know people. So those two things is why I think I'll be very successful because I love, love, love it. And if I'm if I'm using my skills and connecting people and helping the business, like I just think it's going to be fantastic for me. Because that's really what I want to do. I just want to help people. I want to grow. I want to. I, want, I obviously want to earn from it, and I obviously want to be, have, have the flexibility to come here when I want. I want to, you know, flexibility to say, oh, let's go on holiday or go here, and I can work from anywhere. Take my laptop, go sit down, go and do do a bit of work, connect a few dots, and carry on. Oh, yeah, I don't blame you for wanting that. It's lovely. Fun. Yeah, but it's fun. fun. It's fun. When I ring you in the morning, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just in a bath and then. <laughs> meditated and then I did half an hour of breath work and then I had a nap <laughs> I'm like it's 10 o'clock like, yeah, yeah and then I read some book and I'm gonna, might, might take the dogs for a walk or I might just not do anything like the, the other day you were like I sat in this room with nothing on for like three hours <laughs> I was like what and he was like yep yeah, it was brilliant and I was like fucking what <laughs> you know yes you, you've got this very free lifestyle and it's like also like I come in and it's made me feel really hot. I don't know why. <laughs> you, you come in and I come round here and you've got like the the, the the posh water in the fridge and you've got your you you shop at Frosts and like you've got a nice home and like you got a really big telly that we can play FIFA on. You can beat me every time. <laughs> so it's like these nice things. It's like I'm convinced you say you do meditation and breath work, but you actually practice FIFA because you get better every time. <laughs> I'm convinced. Do you know what? Do you know why I think I'm actually I do well at FIFA? Because if you've noticed, most games I always go behind. Yeah, yeah. but I, then I always win. Because at no point ever do does it occur to me that I might lose. Ever, <laughs> I never think I'm going to lose. There's, there's games where we've played, and you look at me, and I think I've got to him. <laughs> I'm thinks. well excited for after the podcast. Right? <laughs> like, can you play? I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> you'll say that, and then you'll be like in the car. I got to see you later, mate. <laughs> Worst, worst spent, worst twelve minutes I've ever wasted in my life. Every time I play you, mate, <laughs> I've never seen someone bang shots in from where he bangs them in from. Mate. It's like forty <laughs> yards. I'm like, how? Everything messy. <laughs> plan B, just the plan A. It did get a bit harder when we swapped teams, though. Yeah, when five I did have Messi. Six five, I won in the end, though. <laughs> but I still scored five. But again, I still, I was just like, he was beating me by like three goals at one point. I was like. Mm. No, I still beat him. <laughs> every time, every time I've nearly pipped him as well. Can't stand the idea of losing. No, this is it again. What well, another reason I guess why I've always been good at it is because I could never stand being second. I couldn't deal with it. I always want to win. I never wanted to lose. I always wanted to be the best at everything I ever did ever. <laughs> but that wasn't through a. Uh... Do you? Th- I'm going to ask you a question now. Finish your sentence first. Um, it wasn't out of a, a good motive. It was just to. It was for to so that other people would tell me I was good. That was why I needed the validation. I needed people to tell me that you were really good. Almost to prove a point. Uh, sorry. Almost to prove. Yeah, yeah. Almost to prove a point. Yeah, I might know. Yeah, it was. It was kind of to prove to myself externally as well that I was worthy of something. So yeah, I always wanted to be the best. It was, but I when I achieved it, I was just a dick with it as well. Do you think there's areas of you that still have that? Like, because once being right, yeah, yeah, being right, it's like I will win this conversation. Yeah, I'm like constantly, and yeah. like, and it is like, 
you know, it, similar to the conversation we had when we got in. It was like, no, 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 this is it. And this is, this is, I was like. I will point out that I was right. Anyway. <laughs> you were right because you asked the wrong question. There's a massive spider over there. And when you, but then when you Googled it, it said, can be addictive. And I was like, yeah, told you. You, you, you always leave yourself a loophole. You always leave yourself a loophole because but, when I said it can be addictive, even though it's really low, you were like, yep, I was right because it is addictive. And no, I, was like, I didn't say, I said exactly that. I said, Google, the, I, I, when he asked me, I said, it's not addictive, right? And I said, if you ask Google, it will say it is. Yeah, That's but then exactly it, what I said. it says it can yeah. be. And you were like, that means it is. I was no, like, I it's mean, not yeah, addictive. It it can be. And I also said before you did the search, I said that any drug can be addictive and that's why Google will say it's addictive. Here we go again. Let's get into a judo match. Do you know what was really good? I'll wrap you up every time. You won't. <laughs> you will never, like, listen, you and I both know that I am almost unwrappable with you. Like, we can get into the link. This is why we have four hour conversations as well because it's like, look, we'll go back and forth until you understand me and I understand you and we can either go win-win or, okay, you're right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That is, uh, being right is an annoying thing that I have. Um, but I guess the- No desire to dial it down at all, like, at all. Not one bit. No, I do. I do. I don't, it is a character that, a characteristic that I don't want because it should, it's an ego thing and I just want to let it go. I don't care. Uh, it's all right if I'm internally thinking the same. I can still have that. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get rid of internally wanting to be right, but to externally portray wanting to be just right. Knuckles going white from just like, yeah, yes, just holding you're it right. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but the, the thing is, the- I don't mind being wrong either. Like, I, I quite like it if I'm proved wrong because it, it kind of resets me a little bit. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it happens rarely, but, but you, <laughs> but you will, lol, but you will also come back later on and be like, like with your loophole, like, oh yeah, but I did say this or that. And yeah, yeah, like, I will. Oh, 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 I thought about it actually a bit more. Like the next time you see me, it's like you're almost waiting to see me in the thing you go, by the way, just for, <laughs> do you remember what we spoke about yesterday? Well, guess the, like this is definitely this bit that I, I remember you said because, and then, and then I remembered that thing and then we turned it over and it was there. I was like, uh, and I was right. Basically me, my validation was under that. You know what I mean? But then I'm, I'm very much that way. Like my character as well is like, if I, th- if I know something to be like relative, like, like if I know something to be true, like when we talk about the medicine, mm. if I know something to be true from my experience of it and somebody that's not done it tells me what they think about it, I'm like, wrong. Yeah, that the thing is I wasn't giving a... Um, no, there's been uh, many conversations. Yeah, on, on, the, on that on that point, though, I wasn't given an opinion about ayahuasca's experience of what it does to you. I was given an experience, uh, knowledge as to whether or not it was considered to be addictive, and I was saying that it would definitely. Oh, no, somebody will say, I said any drug that can be can be addictive is if it releases dopamine, which it does. So that that's why Google say. But I would say, and my point was that every drug that is considered highly addictive, which I didn't believe DMT or ayahuasca was is the ones that release dopamine in a very instantaneous inv- um, yeah. method or process. Whereas any long lasting like pills, ecstasy is less addictive because it releases dopamine over long periods of time in smaller amounts. So that's why, and that was my point And I was right. <laughs> As you started saying that, I realized how many fucks I'd lost on the way to that conversation <laughs> starting again. I was like, do you, want, do you, got, do you guys want me to um, help end the debate. Go on, what have you Googled the it? Evening. You Googled it? Like, no. I've got a very, very good page to read to you. Go on. 
ayahuasca, 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 which is is what you're talking about, is a hallucinogenic tea made from brewing together certain vines and leaves native to the Amazon. Tastes like shit. While sometimes referred to as an illicit drug, ayahuasca is a combination of the ayahuasca vine and leaves from the chacruna shrub. Uh, goes on to say, neither plant is illegal in the US. However, the leaves do contain the compound DMT, a psychotropic responsible for reports of intense hallucinations. DMT, unlike the plant that contains it, is classified as a Schedule One drug with a high addiction potential. Yes, but but no. The thing is, like D- I said, it, it, D- I, DM, what, like we we discussed this earlier, is like DMT is a smokable substance that gives you an immediate 15-minute buzz. It's not a buzz, like you go and see, visit God for 10 minutes, then you come back. Yeah. Whereas it's the same as crack and cocaine. Like They're the same thing, but then if you sniff cocaine and smoke crack, it's a very different feeling. Yeah. Um, and a very yeah, I, different I, I response. Agree, I agree to that. Yeah, I agree that smoking smoking DMT versus doing ayahuasca, smoking DMT is going to be more, more addictive. But I still... Any... <sighs> Any drug that releases dopamine at an increased rate is it can be if you so so right okay let me put it this way if you did ayahuasca every day that's a drug addict no but even say say you weren't an addict you did an ayahuasca every day eventually you're going to be addicted to it because you wouldn't be able to cope without it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's your body has got used to getting that hit, that high, because it is a high, it's releasing dopamine. And when when you stop using it, you're going to feel worthless and shit and low. I've got something to add to that. So the definition of addiction is um, the repeat, like we can look this up as well. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm you right. always ask me away. I can, I can. Yeah. I, I why have we not utilised yeah, this our tech guy, This is brilliant. <laughs> Google this for me. Yeah. Um, so um, the definition of addiction. So my understanding of an addiction is a um, a repeated compulsion to use or do something. And once you start, it's almost impossible to stop. Like gambling or yep. drugs yep. or alcohol. The yeah, definition yeah, yeah. of addiction, you know, it's to the point where everything falls apart, right? Yep. I, I am or used to refer to myself as a recovering or recovered drug addict, yeah? I have sat with the medicine on seven separate ceremonies and occasions, right? And every time you are offered a number of cups of, of the, of the medicine, right? On every single occasion, I have not drank all of them. Mm. Right. Because like you, you, you go there to heal. And once you've had the experience that you need, you don't want or need more. Well, this is why I say it's a lot less, a lot less addictive because it. It's like I'm going to use pills as an as an as an example as well because the the high is so long, it's four to six hours, right? Mm. And it's draining. It is like I could eat pills for days, bro. It's exhausting, though. Days, yeah. But then when you come off them, you're fucked. And I'll still do it again next weekend. <laughs> What do you mean? I'm not okay, but, but, yeah, but, but I couldn't. You're talking about yourself. Oh, I definitely Yeah, could. so, okay, so you look, so, okay, perfect point then. Okay, so you're talking about your experience of ayahuasca and that's how you affected you, but now your experience with pills is totally different to mine. I would eat them so you, until, you, I would yeah, eat so 15, I'm, 20 I in a night. I, I couldn't. 
I couldn't. Them. So your your thing is purely biased to your opinion and your experience of ayahuasca. It's not applicable on a larger scale. I, it's only applicable to you. I believe, and I, and I, like I could be wrong, but if you look at the research behind it, it's actually been called cured. Uh, it's, it's actually cured a addiction. treatment yeah, for yeah, addiction. So how can the treatment for addiction be addictive? I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. First, when he asked me, I said, no, it's not addictive. I don't think it is. But I said, Google will say it's addictive that's exactly what did I did do you I remember say? what I said leaves a loophole that's the loophole no but I, I'm just telling you it's not the loophole that's exactly what I said I told him I said no it's not addictive but I said if you if you google it we will say it's addictive I'm glad this is recorded because I'll have to go back for it fuck you said it fuck <laughs> right again prick 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 but back to careers I mean no but this is what I think is great about us having discussions we try and have topics but I think our discussions are so like, whoa, I think it's important to have because we get that we get deeper on, on different things and also shows that we're not just like two rigid men that think we're solving our lives. Like we actually just want to figure shit out. We want to figure stuff out. We want to figure out our, like, cause when we have this conversation, we finish it. Like the first time I got pissed off about you lot telling me that I was fucking, oh, I don't know if it will treat you or cure you or, or heal you. I'm like, yeah, it, it does loads. It does loads. It might not completely, but it does loads. And, and you know, I remember leaving that conversation. Like I've just been told by two people that have never done a drug that I've done or a substance that I've done that it doesn't work in the way that I definitely know that it works. I've sat in rooms filled with people that have had the same experience on a number of occasions, and I've been being told that it doesn't work. So then that's where I I I actually learnt from that process where I went away and was like, but actually, does it matter? Like, does it matter? And like, actually, that's what I keep saying to you. I can't wait till we go to. I can't wait to go. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an amazing experience. My point is, is that one, you said maybe you don't need to do it, but two, the behaviours that I see in the people that do it isn't something that I want to replicate in my own life. It isn't something that I don't want to have. That like, also, I don't want to become dependent on it to reach a state of emotional being that I can already do myself. Uh, do you know what I mean? I don't want to have to. That's fair enough. To, do you know what I mean? Because then I think if you if you you go there and then you suddenly have this overwhelming sense of uh, ability to be vulnerable based off the back of that. Then suddenly it's like, oh, hold on. I need to keep doing that to get to that place. No, no. Do you think my, my capacity to be vulnerable has been reduced or improved since then? Uh, I haven't seen you be vulnerable since, properly since that point. Since that point. I so, Okay. That's the when that not that day when you came in and you said about the unworthiness. That was the realest, realest vulnerability and truth, which I thought was absolutely beautiful. Um, and that very, spider's very, coming towards you. Sure. Very, oh. a very hard, <laughs> very hard, very hard for you for yeah, you to. He's fucking very hard for you to process. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't credit that to ayahuasca. I just credit that to you, mate. That's my only, my only, uh, maybe disagreement that we have. You credit it to the ayahuasca and the work that that did and showed you. I just credit you. Thanks, mate. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Nine minutes left on the car. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to no, I think, I think it's probably safe to say that we can draw, draw a line into that one. <laughs> yeah, we can wrap it up. Yeah. So you're not going to do ayahuasca anymore? I haven't decided yet. I haven't decided yet. More, Maybe more. I'll surprise you both and I'll just do it. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? Everybody's past different. And um, for me, you know, like it, that feels like the path that I'm, 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 I lean towards because I'm, again, <laughs> I, I know 
I know, I know the truth. So that's my that's my my view on it, and you know, my path's my path. You know, is what it is. So careers, eh? <laughs> we did about an hour and a half on careers, eh? That's fine. Uh, that was probably forty-five minutes to an hour, I think. What the last bit? A whole yeah, an hour. Oh really? Yeah, comfortably. Oh, good effort, mate. Yeah, good brutal. Effort.